Story One of the Fairy Ring. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Janelle Parham. The Fairy Ring, edited by Kate Douglas Wiggin and Nora Archibald Smith. Story One: East of the Sun and West of the Moon. Once on a time there was a poor husbandman who had so many children that he hadn't much of either food or clothing to give them. Pretty children they all were, but the prettiest was the youngest daughter, who was so lovely that there was no end to all her loveliness. So one day, twas on a Thursday evening, late at the fall of the year, the weather was so wild and rough outside, and it was so cruelly dark, and rain fell and wind blew till the walls of the cottage shook again. There they all sat round the fire, busy with this thing and that. But just then, all at once, something gave three taps on the window pane. Then the father went out to see what was the matter, and when he got out of doors, what should he see but a great big white bear? Good evening to you, said the white bear. The same to you, said the man. Will you give me your youngest daughter? If you will, I'll make you as rich as you are now poor, said the bear. Well, the man would not be at all sorry to be rich, but still he thought he must have a bit of a talk with his daughter first. So he went in and told them how there was a great white bear waiting outside, who had given his word to make them rich if he could only have the youngest daughter. The lassie said no outright. Nothing could get her to say anything else. So the man went out and settled it with the white bear that he should come again the next Thursday evening and get an answer. Meantime, he talked his daughter over. And kept on telling her of all the riches they would get, and how well off she would be herself. And so at last she thought better of it, and washed and mended her rags, made herself as smart as she could, and was ready to start. Next Thursday evening came the white bear to fetch her, and she got upon his back with her bundle, and off they went. So when they had gone a bit of a way, the bear said, "Are you afraid?" "No, she wasn't." Well, mind and hold tight to my shaggy coat, and then there's nothing to fear," said the white bear. So she rode a long, long way until they came to a very steep hill. There, on the face of it, the white bear gave a knock, and a door opened, and they came into a castle where there were many rooms, all lit up, rooms gleaming with silver and gold, and there too was a table ready laid, and it was all as grand as grand could be. Then the white bear gave her a silver bell. And when she wanted anything, she had only to ring it, and she would get it at once. Well, after she had eaten and drunk, and evening wore on, she got sleepy after her journey and thought she would like to go to bed. So she rang the bell, and she had scarce taken hold of it before she came into a chamber where there was a bed made as fair and white as any one could wish to sleep in, with silken pillows and curtains and gold fringe. She slept quite soundly until morning. Then she found her breakfast waiting in a pretty room. When she had eaten it, the girl made up her mind to take a walk around in order to find out if there were any other people there besides herself. But she saw nobody but an old woman, whom she took to be a witch. And as the dame beckoned to her, the girl went at once. "Little girl," said the witch, "if you'll promise not to say a word to anybody, I'll tell you the secret about this place." Of course, the girl promised at once. So the old dame said, "In this house there lives a white bear." But you must know that he is only a white bear in the daytime. Every night he throws off his beast shape and becomes a man, for he is under the spell of a wicked fairy. Now, be sure and not to mention this to anybody, or misfortune will come. 
and with these words she disappeared. So things went on happily for some time, but at last the girl began to grow sad and sorrowful, for she went about all day alone, and she longed to go home to see her father and mother and brothers and sisters. "'Well, well,' said the bear, "'perhaps there's a cure for all this sorrow. But you must promise me one thing. When you go home, you mustn't talk about me, except when they all are present, or if you do, you will bring bad luck to both of us.' So one Sunday the white bear came and said now they would set off to see her father and mother. Well, off they started, she sitting on his back, and they went far and long. At last they came to a grand house, and there her brothers and sisters were running about out of doors at play, and everything was so pretty t'was a joy to see. "'This is where your father and mother live now,' said the white bear. "'But don't forget what I told you, or you'll make us both unlucky.' No, bless her, she'd not forget. And when they reached the house, the white bear turned right about and left her. Then, when she went in to see her father and mother, there was such joy there was no end to it. None of them could thank her enough for all the good fortune she had brought them. They had everything they wished, as fine as could be, and they all wanted to know how she got on and where she lived. Well, she said it was very good to live where she did, and she had all she wished— what she said besides I don't know, but I don't believe any of them had the right end of the stick, or that they got much out of her. But after dinner her sister called her outside the room, and asked all manner of questions about the white bear, whether he was cross, and whether she ever set eyes on him, and such like. And the end of it all was that she told her sister the story of how the white bear was under a spell. But the other girl wouldn't listen to the story, for she said it couldn't be true, and this made the youngest daughter very angry. In the evening the white bear came and fetched her away, and when they had gone a bit of the way he asked her whether she had done as he had told her and refused to speak about him. Then she confessed that she had spoken a few words to her sister about him, and the bear was very angry, for he said she would surely bring bad luck to them both. When they reached home she remembered how her sister had refused to believe the story about the white bear, so in the night when she knew that the bear was fast asleep she stole out of bed lighted her candle, and crept into his room. Yes, there he lay, fast asleep, but instead of being a white bear, he was the handsomest prince you ever saw. She gave such a start that she dropped three spots of hot tallow from the candle onto his pillow, so she ran off in a great fright. Next morning the white bear said to her, I fear you have found out my secret, for I saw the drops of tallow on my pillow this morning, and now I know that you spoke to your sister about me. If you had only kept quiet for a whole year, then I should have become a man for always, and I should have made you my wife at once. But now all ties are snapped between us, and I must go away to a big castle which stands east of the sun and west of the moon, and there too lives a princess with a nose three ells long, and she's the wife I must have now. The girl wept and took it ill, but there was no help for it. Go he must. Then she asked if she mightn't go with him. No, she mightn't. Tell me the way, then, she said, and I'll search you out. That surely I may get leave to do. Yes, she might do that, but there was no way to the place. It lay east of the sun and west of the moon, and thither she'd never find her way. So next morning, when she woke, both prince and castle were gone, and there she lay on a little green patch in the midst of the thick gloomy wood, and by her side lay the same bundle of rags that she had brought with her from her old home. 
So when she had rubbed the sleep from her eyes and wept till she was tired, she set out on her way and walked many, many days till she came to a lofty crag. Under it sat an old hag who played with a golden apple which she tossed about. The lassie asked her if she knew the way to the prince who lived in the castle that lay east of the sun and west of the moon, and who was to marry a princess with a nose three ells long. "'How did you come to know about him?' said the old hag. "'But maybe you are the lassie who ought to have had him.' "'Yes, she was.' "'So, so, it's you, is it?' said the old hag. "'Well, all I know about him is that he lives in the castle that lies east of the sun and west of the moon, and thither you'll come, late or never.' "'but still you may have the loan of my horse, "'and on him you can ride to my next neighbor. "'Maybe she'll be able to tell you what you want to know. "'And when you get there, "'just give the horse a switch under the left ear "'and beg him to be off home. "'And stay, you may take this golden apple with you.' "'So she got upon the horse and rode a long, long time, "'till she came to another crag, "'under which sat another old hag, "'with a golden carding comb in her hand.' The lassie asked her if she knew the way to the castle that lay east of the sun and west of the moon, and she answered, like the first old hag, that she knew nothing about it, except that it was east of the sun and west of the moon. "'And thither you'll come, late or never, but you shall have the loan of my horse to go to my next neighbor. Maybe she'll tell you all about it. And when you get there, just switch the horse under the left ear and beg him to be off home.' And this old hag gave her the golden carding comb. It might be she'd find some use for it, she said. So the lassie got upon the horse and rode far, far away, and had a weary time. And so at last she came to another great crag, under which sat another old hag, spinning with a golden spinning wheel. The lassie asked her, too, if she knew the way to the prince, and where the castle was that lay east of the sun and west of the moon. So it was the same thing over again. Maybe it's you who ought to have had the prince, said the old hag. Yes, it was. But she, too, didn't know the way a bit better than the other two. East of the sun and west of the moon she knew it was. That was all. And thither you'll come, late or never. But I'll lend you my horse, and then I think you'd best ride to the east wind and ask him. Maybe he knows those parts and can blow you thither. But when you get to him, you need only give the horse a switch under the left ear, and he'll trot home of himself. And so, too, she gave the lassie the golden spinning wheel. "'Maybe you'll find a use for it,' said the old hag. "'Then on she rode a great many weary days "'before she got to the east wind's house. "'But at last she did reach it, "'and then she asked the east wind "'if he could tell her the way to the prince "'who dwelt east of the sun and west of the moon. "'Yes, the east wind had often heard about them, "'both the prince and the castle, "'but he couldn't tell her the way, "'for he'd never blown so far. "'But if you will, I'll go with you to my brother, the west wind.' "'Maybe he's been there, for he's much stronger. "'So if you will just jump on my back, I'll carry you thither.' "'Yes, she got on his back, and I should just think they went swiftly along. "'So when they reached there, they went into the west wind's house, "'and the east wind said the lassie he had brought "'was the one that ought to have married the prince, "'who lived in the castle east of the sun and west of the moon, "'and that she had set out to seek him. "'He then said how he had come with her, "'and we'd be glad to know if the west wind knew how to get to the castle.' "'Nay,' said the west wind, "'for I've never blown so far. "'But, if you will, I'll go with you to our brother, the south wind, "'for he's much stronger than either of us, "'and he has flapped his wings both far and wide. "'Maybe he'll tell you, so you can get on my back, "'and I'll carry you to him.' 
yes she got on his back and so they travelled to the south wind and they weren't so very long on the way i should think when they reached there the west wind asked him if he could tell them the way to the castle that lay east of the sun and west of the moon for this was the lassie who ought to have married the prince who lived there you don't say so that's she is it said the south wind well i've blustered about in most places in my time but so far i have never blown but if you will i'll take you to my brother the north wind he is the oldest and strongest of all of us if he doesn't know where to find the place you will never find anybody to tell you where it is you can get on my back and i'll carry you thither yes she got on his back and away he went from his house at a very high rate and this time too she wasn't long on her way when they got to the north wind's house he was so wild and cross that the puffs came from quite a long way off what do you want he roared out to them in such a voice that it made them both shiver well said the south wind you needn't talk like that for here i am your brother the south wind and here is the lassie who ought to have had the prince who dwells at the castle that lies east of the sun and west of the moon and now she wants to know if you were ever there and can tell her the way for she would be so glad to find it again yes i know well enough where it is said the north wind once in my life i blew an aspen leaf there but i was so tired that i couldn't blow another puff for days after but if you really wish to go there and aren't afraid to trust yourself to me i'll take you on my back and blow you thither yes with all her heart she must and would get thither if it were possible in any way and as for fear however madly he went she wouldn't be at all afraid very well then said the north wind but you must sleep here to-night for we must have the whole day before us if we are to get thither at all early next morning the north wind woke her and puffed himself up and blew himself out and made himself so stout and big twas fearful to look at him so off they went up through the air as if they would never stop till they came to the world's end down below there was such a storm it threw down long tracts of wood and many houses and when it swept over the great sea ships foundered by hundreds so they tore on and on nobody can believe how far they went and all the while they still went over the sea, and the north wind got more and more weary, and so out of breath he could scarce get out a puff. His wings drooped and drooped, till at last he sank so low that the crests of the waves dashed over his heels. "'Are you afraid?' asked the north wind. No, she wasn't. But they weren't very far from land, and the north wind had still so much strength in him that he managed to throw her upon the shore under the windows of the castle which lay east of the sun and west of the moon. But then he was so weak and worn out that he had to stay there and rest for many days before he was fit to return home. Next morning the lassie sat down under the castle window and began to play with the golden apple, and the first person she saw was Longnose, who was to marry the prince. "'What do you want for your golden apple, lassie?' said Longnose, and she threw up the window. "'It's not for sale, for gold or money,' said the lassie. "'If it's not for sale, for gold or money, what is it that you will sell for it?' said the princess. "'You may name your own price for it.' "'Well, if you will let me speak a few words alone with the prince who lives in the castle, I will give you the apple,' she answered. "'Yes, she might. That could be done.' So the princess got the golden apple, and the lassie was shown into the prince's room. But when she got inside, she found that the prince was fast asleep, and although she shook him and called him loudly, it was no use, for she couldn't wake him, so she had to go away again. 
Next day she sat down under the castle window again, and began to card with her golden carding comb, and the same thing happened. The princess asked what she wanted for it, and she said it wasn't for sale for either gold or money, but that if she might have a few words alone with the prince, the princess should have the comb. So she was taken up to the prince's room, and again she found him fast asleep. And although she wept and shook him for quite a long time, she couldn't get life into him. So the next morning the lassie sat down under the castle window and began to spin with her golden spinning wheel. And that, too, the princess with the long nose wanted to have. So she threw up the window and asked what the lassie wanted for it. And the girl said, as she had said twice before, that if she might have a few words alone with the prince, the princess might have the wheel and welcome. Yes, she might do that. And the lassie was shown again into the prince's room. This time he was wide awake, and he was very pleased indeed to see her. Ah, said the prince, you've come just in the nick of time, for to-morrow is to be our wedding day. But now I won't have long nose, and you are the bride for me. I'll just say that I want to find out what my wife is fit for, and then I'll beg her to wash the pillow slip, which has on it the three spots of tallow. She will be sure to say yes, but when she tries to get out the spots, she'll soon find that it is not possible, for she is a troll like all the rest of her family, and it is not possible for a troll to get rid of the marks. Then I'll say that I won't have any other bride than she who can wash out the spots of tallow, and I'll call you in to do it. The wedding was to take place the next day. So just before the ceremony, the prince said, First of all, I'd just like to see what my bride is fit for. Yes, said the mother, I'm quite willing. Well, I have a pillow slip which somehow or other has got some spots of grease on it, and I have sworn never to take any bride but the woman who was able to wash them out for me. If she can't do that, she's not worth having. Well, that was no great thing, they said, so they agreed. And she, with the long nose, began to wash away as hard as ever she could, but the more she rubbed and scrubbed, the bigger the spots grew. Ah, said the old hag, her mother, you can't wash. Let me try. But she hadn't long taken the job in hand before it got far worse than ever. And with all her rubbing, wringing, and scrubbing, the spots grew bigger and blacker and darker and uglier. Then all the other trolls began to wash. But the longer it lasted, the blacker and uglier it grew, until at last it looked as though it had been up the chimney. Ah, said the prince, you are none of you worth a straw. You can't wash. Why, there outside sits a beggar lassie, and I'll be bound she knows how to wash better than the whole lot of you. So he shouted to the lassie to come in, and in she came. "'Can you wash this clean, lassie?' said he. "'I don't know, but I think I can.' And almost before she had taken it and dipped it in the water, it was white as driven snow and whiter still. "'Yes, you are the lassie for me,' said the prince. At that the old hag flew in such a rage that she burst on the spot, and the princess with the long nose after her, and then the whole pack of trolls did the same." As for the prince and princess, they had a grand wedding and lived happily at the castle east of the sun and west of the moon until the end of their days. End of East of the Sun and West of the Moon Recording by Janelle Parham www.plantsgrownup.blogspot.com